Uh, check, check, audio. Mics. Check, check. Check, check. Check, check. Five, four, three, two, one. What's up, y'all? Welcome back into the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. Tanner Demling here with y'all as always. Before we get started, once again, you can listen to the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. can also watch the show on YouTube as well. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the like button on that. Leave the five-star reviews and subscribe where you can. All of those things help us grow the show. And once again, I thank everyone enough for listening and tuning in each and every week here during the College Across season. We have seen immense, immense growth this season, uh, doubling what we had last season as well so it's it's been fantastic this year again thanks to everyone who has tuned in thus far and uh we are just about approaching the midway point of the season Uh, believe it'll be wednesday will be 49 days out um from the over move from the uh first weekend of the season which is february 4th and we'll be 49 days away from the final uh, game of the regular season. So the uh, the season is coming to a, a midpoint here faster than I think we this happens every year. Before you know, you blink, it's mid season already. It's approaching. Uh, Big Ten play is approaching this week. More conferences are getting deeper into their conference schedules this weekend and next weekend as. Well, we'll talk about a a little bit more of that on Thursday's show, Um, midweek, midseason type stuff. We'll have a look at some of the top freshmen from the midseason, look at some teams who are hot, teams who are not maybe um, at this point in the year as we head into late March. But I want to... On today's show, go over the my, my own personal top 20. We'll do that on the back half of the show. Uh, but I do want to talk about, I said on Sunday's show, we didn't get to talk about Denver. We didn't get to talk about Hopkins. And uh, obviously Duke is playing Air Force here, uh, recording this on Monday night. So Duke playing Air Force uh, on you know, tonight as well. would expect them to win pretty big. In that contest, we'll hit on that on uh, Thursday's show with, with some. Uh, we discussed the midweek action. Uh, but want to mention we go over Loyola, and, and so let's hit them first here. Uh, Loyola won fourteen to thirteen over Bucknell on Saturday. Uh, Matthew Minikis had seven goals and one assist in that contest there for. The Greyhounds, as they are able to uh, secure this win here and hold off the uh, the Bison there, 
This was a 12-10 game with uh, 12.44 left in the fourth quarter. Minikis, a man up score there, gets them that. Um, he'd have one more in this contest to get him seven goals on the day uh, there to, to help the Greyhounds pull through and get the victory. Um, really was, and at one point this was a 7-4 to four game, so uh, really was a a strong effort, I thought, by Bucknell to hang in there with Loyola. I wasn't expecting this game to be as close as it was. Um, going back and watching a bit of it, you know, we, we've heard a lot of discussion from folks around, is, is this kind of Loyola... Uh, no, a la 2019 again, where they have a really strong February, and they did beat Hopkins, beat Maryland, but they kind of teetered off you um, in, in March and are unable to get back to that top-tier level of play, and specifically speaking, their defense. But when you look at Loyola the past couple of weeks, I, I mean, and, and even, I mean, the Towson win, 12-11 in overtime, that's a rivalry game. I always expect that one to be close. Lafayette, 15 to 11. You get drubbed by Duke, seven, 17 to 9 on a Friday night. And then you beat Bucknell, 14 to 13. Um, you know, for me with Loyola, I think, you know, I'm, I, I don't want to go as far to say at this moment and say, well, they're on a backslide or they're not going to be able to catch the momentum they had coming off the Maryland win, coming off the Hopkins win. You know, they failed to reach 10 points. I mean, the two, two teams, so if we go to the, to, the, to the rankings as they stand right here today, and, uh, you know, obviously Duke is there in top five, and Rutgers, okay, yes, Rutgers is number six right now. Loyola played Duke, and they played Rutgers. They got put, put up six goals against Rutgers. They put up nine against Duke. Okay. Additionally, they have wins over Hopkins and Maryland, both of which are in the top 10. Maryland being the number two team in the country right now after the win over Virginia. And Hopkins being the number eight team in the country after the win over. Um, Delaware and Navy over the weekend. Uh, we'll talk a bit about that weekend that Hopkins had here in a minute. So Loyola has good wins. The, the past couple ones, though, you could very much say, put them in that argument of, are they starting to tape taper? <laughs> Loyola does have good wins, though. Um, when you mention all those contests they've won in the early season, the past couple, Bucknell being on Saturday and the uh, Lafayette game the two weeks before, you very much could say they could have, they should have beaten those teams by more than they did. You can very much say that. Um, you know, digging into the box score here with this game against Loyola, 
one of the big things I think that wasn't or hasn't been mentioned about with this game, obviously Minicus, seven goals, all of that. Great game for him. Uh, but the face-off dot with Loyola is something that maybe hasn't been mentioned as much about um, as the defense has been in the past couple of weeks. And when you look at that, in specifically with that game on Saturday, um, was it was not the best of day that, days there, and uh, was not a game that I, I came into. Loyola Bucknell was not a game that I came into the week thinking this is going to be a close game. We had seen what Bucknell had done earlier this season, and they've gotten better for sure. But you didn't come in thinking Loyola is going to have to stave off this one and get a one-goal win here. Um, and, of course, it was on the road uh, there in Lewisburg, PA. But, you know, the and back to, back to the – so the, the statistics here face off. Eric Pacheco goes 9 for 24. That's not good. Uh, Chris Contoni uh, go, goes 9 for 2 for 6 at the dot. He struggles there as well. Uh, Brendan Coyle, really good day for Bucknell, 14 for tw- 22. Colin McCuster, 5 for 8 there at the dot. Luke Stout, 14 saves in cage to anchor this Loyola defense. Um, I do want to mention this stat real quick as well, though. 13 for 22. That is what Bucknell did in the clearing game. Now, they had, and this is the quarter-by-quarter breakdown here, 5 for 7 in the first, 2 for 3 in the second, 3 for 5 in the third, 3 for 7 in the fourth. Going back and watching this game, I think you can mark it up to it is a uh, variety of things that helped create this statistic, which obviously is in the favor of Loyola here. They did ride well, and Bucknell did make some dumb mistakes in the clearing game, some miscues. It's a mixture there. All this to say, you know, Loyola, and then, I mean, offensively as well, Poitras had two goals. One assist. Seth Higgins had two. Davis Lindsay, Joey Kamish, Liam Bateman, all two assists on this game. Cam Wiles had a pole goal there. Um, he had three down balls. He played well in this contest, as, as did Matt Hughes. Now, all this to say, we're going deep in, in here in the box score of this one game. And we're looking at, you know, you lost to Duke the way you did. You lost to Rutgers the way you did. I think the more concerning thing for me with Loyola, and they've got a big one coming up against Army this week, an Army defense that is consistently good, is consistently one of the best in the country, no matter who is in cage, no matter who is on the field for them. This is a program that is consistently one of the best defensive teams in college lacrosse. Um, they're coming off a big 12 to 10 win over Lehigh, where they, uh, you know, didn't do very well to face off dot, uh, as would be expected against Mikey Susselberger. But the defense, Christian Forney in particular, the uh, sophomore there, 
fantastic game. Knox Dent has been very good in cage. Loyola, however. So, tough test coming up here. Loyola, offensively, I think for me, is where I want to see more out of this team. Not defensive. Like, we know what they did against Maryland. We know what they did against Hopkins. They couldn't replicate it against Rutgers and certainly could not replicate it against Duke. And I would say they did replicate it to an extent earlier on in that Rutgers game, at times in the Rutgers game, but not holistically. So for me, when you're looking at Loyola here, and one of two teams in Baltimore here that we'll talk about on today's show, for me, I think you, I hear the arguments, and people have messaged me this, about Loyola maybe starting to hit a backslide. But I'll say this, they're still winning games. And I think the defense is still doing its job to an extent. The Lafayette, the Bucknell games are a bit closer than you would expect them to be. I would, I, I would urge people not to make that definitive statement about Loyola until the Army game this weekend. And I would urge people, if you want to look at Loyola and maybe where they have tripped up in recent weeks, maybe where you can see improvement to be had, I would say that is more on the offensive end um, and at the faceoff dot there, especially after what we saw on Saturday. You can talk about the defense for sure as well against top-tier teams. Absolutely. Um, and, and, and I think all of that conversation combined, we're going to get more answers with that and within that conversation on Saturday when they face Army. We'll talk a bit more about that game uh, here uh, coming up on Thursday when we preview the weekend ahead that is to be in college or cross. Moving on uh, down Charles Street to Johns Hopkins. The, we mentioned on Thursday's show that uh, Hopkins was entering a weekend where, so last season, the Hopkins year was defined by this weekend that we just had. They lost to Navy at Homewood, and then they went and they lost at Delaware. It was uh, really a, a bad situation for, for Hopkins. That's how they led their way into Big Ten play. Hopkins begins Big Ten play this weekend at Michigan, uh, a big contest there between those two. Looking at this weekend and ahead here for Hopkins, and this season for Hopkins, it is completely different from last year. This is a completely different scenario. This is a completely different team, albeit a lot of the guys are still the same. This team is clicking. This team can strike back. This team is not a one-man show. This team, on either end, this team can play defense. This team can play offense. This team has a good man-up unit. This team can ride hard. This team can clear the ball. One of the issues we saw with Hopkins last season was the simple clear. This is the best team to date under Peter Milliman at Hopkins. The 21 season was a wash, right? 
you had the awful situation there in the fall. You had the situation that was there in the spring, and you saw progress. Last year, it was very inconsistent. And I said multiple times on this show in the fall and leading up to this season, Hopkins probably wasn't as bad as people thought they were last year. I think a lot of emphasis was put on the Navy and Delaware losses, and rightfully so. Um, But all in all, when you look at it holistically, this team probably wasn't that far away uh, last season. Uh, This year, however, they've put it all together, and uh, they are a top 10 team here as we sit here on, what is this, March 20th, Monday, March 20th. Johns Hopkins is a top 10 team under Peter Milliman, and they're coming off a really big weekend, 12-9 to win over Navy, and a, what was that game last night? 12-10 to win over uh, Delaware in a game that was, this was a phenomenal game, phenomenal Sunday night game. You had big hits, you had exciting runouts, you had big shots, uh, you had uh, transition goals, you had a pole goal there, Owen Grant, um, breaking the 10-man ride. Like this, this game had everything that you wanted in a Sunday night lacrosse game. It was there. Everything that you wanted in a game was there on Sunday night in that Hopkins-Delaware game. A super, super exciting matchup uh, that we saw there in that one. And the the, the one thing I want to hit on here um, with Hopkins real quick before I forget here, Alex Mazzone. Alex Mazzone. What a weekend he had. Uh, We know he's been an impactful player here uh, for Hopkins since transferring over uh, from Georgetown, as expected he would be. And has he exceeded expectations here? I, 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 that's difficult to say because we had high expectations for him. We had high expectations for this Hopkins defense. He had 12 ground balls and was one cause turnover on Sunday night. He had seven cause, uh, seven ground balls, excuse me, on uh, Friday night. So he combines for the 12, 19 ground balls over the weekend, has one cause turnover. Um, he was flying all over the field. He's a big, big impact player on that defense. And, of course, when you've got a goalie like Tim Marcio, he had 13 saves against Navy, and then he had, um, was it another uh, six on Saturday night there, or Sunday night, excuse me, uh, against Delaware. When you've got guys like that that are making plays and making the plays when they need to happen, uh, good things are going to come. And, and Hopkins has that uh, defensively in a player like Alex Mazzone, and then also, uh, you know, Scott Smith, uh, who, who I've been a big fan of as well, uh, Bones, Suzluke, uh, all the Carson Brown. Like, there's a ton of guys that you can mention here, young, old, veteran, um, you know, newcomers that have really – it's kind of all been put together here for, for Hopkins uh, this season on the back end, and certainly Marcio is a big part of that. Um, the, the thing that really struck me, and specifically about the, uh, the, 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 the Sunday night game that really has me um, thinking, and we'll talk more about this on, on Thursday's show uh, in, in the opening, 
that really has me thinking that Hopkins is a team that is is kind of getting hot when they need to right now. Is and I wouldn't even say they're getting hot. I'd say they're just warming up. Um, part of the thing that has me thinking that is uh, this stat here. So it's a, this is a nine to five game, Delaware, with eight fifty two left in the third quarter. Last year, that's a game Hopkins loses. That's a game Hopkins loses. If this is twenty twenty two. Johns Hopkins loses that game on, on Sunday night. They don't do that. They, they do not do it. They do not do it. They score all but one of the next, what is it, uh, seven goals, score seven consecutive, end the game on a 7-1 run, and win the game 12-10. Matt Collison puts the cherry on top. The big freshman who's been phenomenal for Hopkins this season. Degnon shows up. Jonathan Peshko shows up. Casey McDermott shows up. Ryan Evans shows up. This offense, we've talked a lot about this defense for Hopkins this season, but this offense is starting to look pretty good. And we know they they play this kind of positionless um game they the ball movement is very crisp the off ball movement is very crisp the Crowley offense has worked very well for this team this season and it's been getting better week by week and certainly when you get guys like Russell Melendez and that back in the lineup um was an angel so Degdon that was out for a little bit as well that they've had some multiple guys out they've had guys in and out of the lineup and they've come back in now a couple weeks ago and they continue to progress, continue to improve here. Um, you had Degnall 2-1 and one on, on, on the day, three shots, uh, I mean, four shots. You had Matt Collison, the, the freshman with two goals there, including the, you know, quote-unquote, cherry on top, if you will. Ryan Evans with, with, with two goals there as well um, in this one. Just a, a ton of depth that you saw from Hopkins. Um, in terms of the offense on Sunday night that, that really showcases and really put a light on just how deep and how good this offense has gotten and, and is potentially going to be as we move closer and closer and certainly into conference play here this weekend as the Blue Jays go visit uh, the Wolverines up in Ann Arbor. The other, the, the, the other stat I, I want to pull out of here is uh, the clearing game. They held Delaware to 17 for 23 in the clearing game. Hopkins goes 19 for 20. Hopkins also outground balls Delaware 49 to 23. It was a 19 to 7 edge at the faceoff dot. Hopkins goes one for four on the man up, had three late. Um, I think one of those was kind of a, yeah, I mean, there was a couple calls last night that for both sides that, uh, and you saw that aired out on, on the social media waves by multiple people. Um, you know, as why are we calling this? Uh, you heard it on the broadcast, Ryan Boyle doing a fantastic job on there again, by the way. Just make him Mr. Sunday Night Lacrosse, and we're good. Um, 
fantastic job that that, that he did there. Uh, Tyler Dunn, nineteen for twenty six there for for Hawkins at the uh, at the face off dot there in this contest and, and Delaware. That's a place they've struggled at, uh, a, a spot they've struggled at this season and, and continue to struggle there uh, against the Blue Jays, who've really had multiple guys who have showed up and showed out any given time in this contest. But the the, the ability to, to to strike back and win what was – I know it's a cliche in lacrosse. It's a game of runs. But this kind of was um, a game where you saw two big runs and the latter of the two won, and, and that was Hopkins. But also within that – also within that is the defense that you need to play to suspect to sustain that run. And we did see, I mentioned the clearing game. Uh, we saw the Hopkins 10 man ride. They shut down um, Delaware as best they could. And Delaware, I think just wasn't able to get as many possessions as they would have liked in this game was not able to get the amount of possessions they needed to win this game. And, that is a big credit to Hopkins for what they did on Sunday night. Um, we, we saw them have it, have a similar game there on, on Friday when they were able to strike when the iron was hot and get the win there against Navy. I think that fact alone, the, the, the fact that this is a Hopkins team that is not going to curl up, this is not a Hopkins team that's going to, when they get down 9-5, to five, it's going to say, no, this one's over. We're just going to toss the ball around and, and try to get a shot. They'll say, no, we're going to try to get the best shot. We're going to try to shut down this team. And we're going to try to win this game because we're going to win this game. It's a completely different Hopkins team from last season for sure. And a team that uh, I know myself and many feel has a, a, a could have a, a pretty bright future here in the coming weeks as Big Ten play gets underway. I'm going to very, very interested to see what they do against the likes of Rutgers and Maryland in particular. Ohio State, we'll see in that one. I don't think Hopkins has beaten Ohio State in uh, quite some time. I think it's three or four years, uh, uh, three or four meetings, maybe five, that they have lost to Ohio State. Uh, so big, big 10, big, big, big 10 games coming up in the coming weeks here involving the Johns Hopkins Blue Jays who are uh, playing some of the best lacrosse in the country right now, certainly with uh, regard to the loss against Virginia. That's the only blemish on the record this March, and they're looking to end the month on uh, Saturday. Would that be the end of the month for them on on Saturday? Because the 25th, yeah, so that'll be the end of the month. They're looking to end the month uh, on Saturday with the win over Michigan to enter, uh, to begin the uh, Big Ten play. Now, moving on here to Tanner's top 20. Once more, I don't have an official vote, but this is my own poll that I've done every week of the season here. Uh, we have tried to have a, have a segment on the podcast every week. Haven't been able to do that every week here, uh, but have uh, certainly been able to note it here from time to time here 
um, and, and, and look at the top five. Uh, but I want to go over kind of holistically, Hugh, right now what I have. So um, I'm going to go top five, and this is what I call tier one. Like I, I really do see the season kind of uh, – the, the, the landscape kind of folding. I see one tier kind of drifting off from the other at this point in the season. And I think I think this top five, you could put it in any number of orders. I think there's a clear-cut top three, probably. Um, I don't want to say that definitively, uh, but certainly a top five, that is a cut above the rest right now. So I have Notre Dame at number one. They're 6-0, coming off the 18-8 win over Michigan. I have Maryland. Uh, they're 5-2. and two. Uh, I have Maryland at number two. They're 5-2. and two coming off the win over uh, Virginia in overtime on Saturday. Then I have Virginia at number three. They're six and one, obviously coming off their first loss the season there to Maryland. I have Duke at number four. They are seven and oh, they're seven and one. Uh, will probably be eight and one by the time you listen to this podcast. Uh, they're coming off uh, two. Uh, dominant wins there over Loyola uh, two weeks ago, and then uh, North Carolina last week. Probably a dominant win on Tuesday night here against Air Force as well. Uh, Cornell, I have a number five. They are five and one. I think this group here that we just mentioned Notre Dame, Maryland, Virginia, Duke, Cornell. It is kind of a cut above the rest. And when you look at each of these teams, the, the, these are you – no know, Notre Dame has, 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 has passed every test so far. We've got Notre Dame-Virginia coming up this weekend. Um, Maryland obviously has the uh, losses to Notre Dame and to Loyola. But outside of that, they've passed every test. And the Notre Dame game wasn't overtime when – they're playing like one of the best in the country right now. Their offense is, is, is finally coming together. We're getting some depth there. We're getting a lot of productivity there that we maybe weren't getting in weeks prior. Uh, Duke, I think a similar situation. The defense for Duke is, is, is a lot better than they were last season. William Helm has been great in cage. Naso's exactly what you expected them to be. Obviously, O'Neal. McAdoy, um, the Denenza, Caputo, Williams, like they've got talent on talent on talent, just as you, know, you had mentioned here with the, the, the likes of Virginia. And obviously they're coming off their first loss of the season there. The Schellenberger was, was shut down in that game to an extent by Zapatello. Uh, but you have guys like Xander Dixon, Peyton Cormier, the whole bunch there. You've got two as they call them, pterodactyls there, defensively, Cade Sostad, Cole Kastner, all of these guys there, Matthew Nunes, continues to get better in cage. Um, we'll see how he can continue to progress this season. Uh, P.D. Lasala going 50% against women on Saturday was a good sign there. Cornell, very much the same situation. It was great to see Michael Long back in action on Saturday. And that attack line not miss a freaking step. They continue to dominate. 
and uh, a, 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 a just phenomenal win for them over Yale, 20 to 10. Uh, certainly, Petrak is back in this in, in, in this thing here, um, and he looked good on Saturday. We'll see if he can keep it up. That's kind of been the last season for him in, in this face-off group, and, and this year as well was the inconsistency. Have really big games and big games, but will then drop a few, go 45%, whatever it is. Um, and then suddenly Chase Owen, 21 saves in, in cage is ridiculous. And, I mean, what can we say? Gavin Adler, one of the best defenders in college across there. Um, so, I mean, that's your top group here. I think the next group, and I'm trying to – it's it, it's very difficult to kind of picture who's in that next group and who's not. Um, so let's just go – Six through ten. So I have Rutgers at six. I have Hopkins at seven. We just talked about them at length. I have Villanova at eighth. I have Penn State at nine, and I have Army at ten. Now I have Jacksonville. So let's go eleven through fifteen real quick. I have Jacksonville eleven, Loyola twelve, North Carolina thirteen, Penn fourteen, Boston U fifteen. I don't know if that group, that 10 to 15 group, and, you know, I think that Rutgers, Hopkins, Villanova, Penn State are kind of above there and have proven that um, with some of the wins they've had. Now, Penn State may be the most vulnerable of that group and possibly Villanova. Um, You know, I, I think those are probably the two most vulnerable of that group right now. Um, now Army is the one that I just don't know if they've played enough. Um, but I can, I, and they've got the oil game this week. Army has not been tested to the, uh, to the extent where some other teams have been. And that is where I would draw the line with Army and say, they are very good. We've seen what this team can do. We, we know what Pilat can do defensively. We know what you know, Evan Plunkett has, has emerged as one of the faces of, of this offense that's continuing to get better. We've got Buick and those guys that are back there. Coletti's been pretty decent outside of Saturday against Sisselberger. But Army's been pretty good. And Army has been better than I thought they would be this season. They've certainly proved me wrong. I thought this year would be a year – or they may be winning a couple close, you know, losing a couple close games that they maybe should have lost, and and you've got a lot of new faces in there. It's it's it. it I thought this might have been a year similar to 2018, um, not exactly like that because I thought they'd be be um, uh, in the you know plus 500 category when it's all said and done, and they will be uh, most likely, and they certainly are now. Uh, but they're playing a lot better than I thought they would be uh, through this point in the season. They passed their first major test on Saturday. They've got another one against Loyola here on uh, Sunday. Excuse me, on this Saturday. So we'll get another uh, another validation point. Either way, for a lot of people on Army in that game, uh, Jacksonville, a similar situation. Like they played RMU. I want to see them play Utah. I want to see them play. Air Force, and I want to see them play Bellarmine. 
you know, Bellman didn't look good against Utah, but I, I would say those they they beat all MU, they beat Utah, they beat Air Force, they beat Bell. Like that's kind of when I'm looking at the A Sun, I look at it as Jacksonville, Utah, Air Force, all MU, Bellman. That's your top five. If Jacksonville can beat all of those top teams that we mentioned, all teams which I think at some point in the season things fall their way or had fallen their way at, at certain points could have been in the top 20 or could possibly be in the top 20 um, or, or on the outside looking in. Certainly all teams that could get hot and make a, uh, a Sun tournament run. You beat all four of those teams. Um, I, I see them beating Mosu. I see them beating Detroit Mosu, Cleveland State. When it would, like, they're better than those teams. They, they just are. They, they are probably better than Air Force and Bellarmine. Uh, Bellarmine for sure. Air Force, I would say, most likely. Utah, though, is the one. That's the big one. But certainly, they can beat all four of those teams. Um, I think we can be validated where Jacksonville is. They do have the win over Duke. They have the loss to Hopkins, a really good resume here. Max Waldbaum, we mentioned last week, has been back in the lineup now for, what, four games, is it? He's been fantastic. Um, North Carolina, Penn, and Boston U. 13, 14, 15. North Carolina, I don't know what to make of this. So let me pull up real quick here. What is North Carolina's schedule like? So North Carolina, they, they lost to Duke the way they did. They beat Dartmouth, just pounded them. They have a game this week at um, excuse me, at home against High Point. And then that's on Wednesday. And then at home against Providence on Saturday. So North Carolina has a uh, two solid games here before they jump back into the ACC play. Virginia, Syracuse, Notre Dame, Notre Dame. I don't like that. Why are you playing the same team back-to-back to end the season? ACC, that's just stupid, okay? That's stupid. I don't care that you don't have the, the, the tournament, I, that you don't have the auto bid. Um, bring back the tournament. I would much rather them do that than do, the, do this kind of gimmicky stuff. If you want to play, play a couple teams twice, do it. But don't do it back-to-back. I believe there was a team we saw that last year as well. Um, my, was it was it Syracuse and Notre Dame? There was a team that we saw that last like last season and maybe the year before as well. Stupid. It, it, it feels gimmicky. I, I don't know. I don't know. It's going to be a good good series, but, like, come on. Back-to-back weeks against the same team, I, I just don't like that. I just don't like that. North, North Carolina, their defense has certainly improved. Statistically, like, they have – one of the best scoring defenses in the country. Um, and, you know, what these transfers have brought to the table, what a year of experience has brought to the table for a lot of these guys. Obviously, Cleve's very good in cage. Uh, we know what we have seen with these transfers of Logan McGovern, Sean Goldsmith offensively. This is a North Carolina team that's improved from last season. How, how improved and is that Duke game? just a sense of Duke being that much better? I don't know. I don't know. 
Um, I, I really don't know. And that's why North Carolina is down here near the bottom here because and in that kind of 10 to 15 range, that's a lot of teams where you look at and you say, they're good, but how good? You have to show me. And and, and I think Carolina's going to be able to show that here next couple weeks. Penn, another team you can very much say that about. They're 3-3, three and three, got to 500 Saturday night. Hanley, Ben Smith, I think this offense is kind of coming together. Defense has looked pretty good all season long. Chris Arcelli was impressed with him at the faceoff dot on Saturday night. They've got a big game over Cornell this weekend. Huge chest for Penn where they can prove further how good of a team they actually are. Boston U, again, a team. And let me pull up Boston U's schedule here real quick. Uh, Boston U, another team that hasn't been tested as much as you would like for them to see. They do have the Harvard game uh, on Tuesday, so the day that y'all are uh, listening to this tonight, you do have Harvard and Boston. You are going to be a phenomenal, phenomenal uh, midweek matchup, most likely, always is between these two. This has been a two to five series here uh, in favor of five to two series, I should say, in favor of Harvard. And uh, Boston, you won 2016, 2017. Other than that, it's been very close. It's been a it's been a one to three goal game almost every time since twenty six since twenty fifteen. Nine to eight Harvard in twenty fifteen. Nine to eight Boston U in twenty sixteen. Thirteen to eight in twenty seventeen is one of the outliers there. Nineteen to eighteen in twenty eighteen, Harvard, that tremendous overtime game. The next year was even better. Twelve to eleven, triple overtime in twenty nineteen. Phenomenal. 13 to 10, Harvard win last season. Boston U last year, they were the best in the Patriot League, and their issue was they just couldn't beat Ivy League teams. We'll see on uh, on Tuesday, uh, tonight, we'll see tonight if that is uh, the case tonight for y'all listening to this. They've also got Yale on the schedule uh, as well. They end the season, Loyola, Army, Lehigh. That's going to prove a lot about the Patriot League. Right there, should expect Boston to win against Lafayette on Saturday. Yale. So I dropped Yale. So let's read off this bottom this bottom crop here real quick. Yale at sixteen, Georgetown at seventeen, St. Joseph's at eighteen, Princeton at nineteen, Wildcat at twenty. So let's go through these two real quick. So Georgetown, St. Joseph's, um, both are. I think clearly top 20 teams Uh, both have some bad losses for sure. St. Joe's worse than uh, Georgetown with the loss to, um, who is it? Uh, Drexel. And then they've also lost to, um, who is it? Um, uh, Penn. And then was it, they played, was it Villanova? I believe who they also lost to. Um, this season, Johns Hopkins, that's who it was, Johns Hopkins. Johns Hopkins, Penn, Drexel. Uh, Hopkins, Penn, not bad losses for sure, but losses at that. Drexel was a very surprising loss, a good upset there for the Dragons. They're back in their winning ways, beat St. John's over the weekend. In that contest, they have got Duke coming up this Saturday, another big non-conference test before A-10 play begins. And that's really where I want to see 
uh, where I think we're going to see the best of this St. Joseph's team. Georgetown, similar situation. You lost to Princeton. You lost to Notre Dame. You lost to um, – who was it? Oh, me, you beat Princeton. You, you, you lost to Notre Dame. You lost to Hopkins, and you lost to Penn. Excuse me, you lost to Penn. You beat Princeton. You've beat Richmond. You've beat High Point. I think Georgetown's kind of rounding into form, very much so. Um, Princeton is, is at 19, and Yale is at 16. I don't think these two teams should necessarily be three away from each other in this spot based on how they've played. I, I really did not see where else to put Yale in this after they lost they had. I couldn't put them over these other teams that won games. I couldn't put them, keep them in the top 10. At 16, they go. I debated putting Penn at 16 uh, or, or 15 and putting Yale at 14, but I, I, that, that's where they go. They've got to figure this defense out. They've got to figure it out fast because they've looked good against teams they should beat. They haven't looked good against teams that are either A, better than, than them, or match up well against them. And to be honest, it is a lot of that defense. As I say, Andy Shea, I don't know what he does every morning when he wakes up, but I, I, I assume it, it, there's a, a little piece in there about thanking God for Jared Paquette because he, this season and last season, has been phenomenal for this defense that just likes to leave him on an island, ball watch, uh, leave the backside open, you name it. This defense has done it. They've got to figure that out. Offensively, they've got great players. Matt Brandau, Chris Lyons, Leo, great players. Great players. Face-off consistency and defense, minus the goal. That's, That's it. Your clearing game, your riding game is very good. Very good. Fix the defense, and, and, and you can be a top-10 team. Like, I'm not joking. If Yale had a great defense, they'd be a top-10 team right now. They're not. They're not. And they, 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 laid, they laid the – they you know, wet the bed against Cornell, laid an egg, whatever you want to say, against Cornell. Um, and that was, that was surprising. That was surprising. So is it Yale can't get it done against top teams? Um, I don't know. Beat Villanova. They uh, came back against Penn State and lost that one. They even come back against Cornell, really. So they've got a lot to prove. Got a lot to prove. And they play Princeton this week. And Princeton is uh, improving. This is a Princeton team that is improving. And I have not made my picks for this week yet, but I am kind of inclined to pick Princeton in this one because they are improving. Um, you saw you know, Michael Gina Ficaro get the start in cage on Saturday. And uh, that defense looked good consistently for, for an entire game for the first time this season. Um, you Sam English, you've got Vidalo, you've got all these guys who are starting to step up here offensively. Jake Stevens, the solid two-way guy. The Princeton midfield is coming into form. Like, Princeton's, they're, they're getting back out there. They're, they are, they're rounding into form. It's taken a bit while, but... I think they're rounding into form. Um, I've marked at number 20. I debated 
Marquette or Denver. Um, and we'll talk about Denver here in a second before we get off of here. But I debated Marquette and Denver. Ultimately went with Marquette at number 20 because they did beat Penn State. Um, I dropped Ohio State out of the rankings with the loss to Denver. Um, and uh, certainly could have kept Denver in, uh, but decided to drop them out. So, like, they're at, like, 20A is Marquette, 20B is Denver from the way I look at it here. Marquette, the face-off dot and the ability to strike back and, and hold off the Penn State effort there was, uh, as we talked about, was phenomenal over the weekend in that upset win over the Nittany Lions. Second Big Ten team they've upset in a neutral site contest. The uh, Golden Eagles coming up here. Let's pull up each of these two schedules here right now, um, what they've got coming up here. Both Big big East teams here, Wildcat and Denver. For the Golden Eagles, they have got um, who's it? Yeah, same bond venture uh, on Saturday. One, I think they should win, and then you get into Big East play for the Pioneers. Here, um, you have got, and they're both four and three, by the way. Here, uh, right now, uh, this season, the the Pioneers and the Golden Eagles. Uh, Denver has got a bye week here, and they move to Georgetown. Uh, big. Big contest there between those two. Uh, Denver has not beaten Georgetown since uh, they did so 13 to seven in 2021. Lost 11 to 10 in overtime in the uh, Big East. Uh, oh no, that was not the title game. That was NDC, the regular season game because they played twice that year. Uh, the second regular season matchup in 2021. Lost uh, 17 to nine last season to them in the regular. Season. Uh, so both these teams, Denver and Marquette, again, I have Marquette at number 20. Denver was like the very next team out um, there this week. And um, yeah, both Big East teams looking to have uh, good weekends ahead. And I think very much either uh, will end up here um, in the weeks ahead here as we move to Big East play. Uh, moving into and solidifying themselves here in the top 20 as they've both gotten some good uh, quality wins over the weekend. And let's move to the Denver Pioneers here as they beat the Ohio State Buckeyes 17-12 to over the weekend on Sunday's game. I did not get to watch this one, um, but I will say this. I did see the clips of it, saw the highlights. Saw the uh, the post game interview with Tierney. What a game here! What a game! Alex Sathakis gets it done at the dot. You have got uh, Malcolm uh, Kilbon, very good in goal here for the Pioneers. You've got JJ Silstrop with five goals in this one. Richie Connell five assists. Stephen Avery, the M- M- Montgomery Bell Academy, Nashville native, uh, junior. Steps up for his biggest game this season. Seven goals in this contest. He'd been a consistent playmaker. Has been one of those guys that was kind of tucked away behind a lot of these grad transfers and uh, fifth-year guys the past couple of seasons. Steps up as a junior. 
seven goals in this one, and that includes a couple man-up scores as um, the Pioneers go two for four there on the man-up here on Sunday. Uh, They went two for four on the man-up on Sunday, both goals coming from Avery. This this Denver team, they took control. They stepped on the gas, and uh, very impressed with with that one. Very surprised by that result. By the way, did not see that coming. Uh, I, I didn't necessarily like not see a Denver win coming. Thought Denver would very much. It was possible Denver could win, but um, did not see a win of that caliber coming here uh, for the Pioneers there on Sunday and certainly a big win as they head into this bye week and then want to continue to build off that momentum against Georgetown and it would be huge. And look, I said it back in January. I said, this is coach Tierney's last season. Expect Denver to, to, to put all, put it all on the line for coach Tierney in his final season. I would not be surprised if they win the big East. I didn't pick them to win the big East, but I said, now, Knowing that Coach Tierney is retiring, I would not put it past them. Whether they are certainly better on paper than Georgetown or not, I would not put it past them to do all they can to send Coach Tierney off with a trip to the NCAA tournament. Whether they win the Big East or whether they don't, this Ohio State win, is a huge resume booster here for the Pioneers and a huge win to get uh, as they head into Big East play next week. All right, folks, that is all for today's episode. As always, you can listen to the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcast. You can watch on YouTube as well. Hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, uh, all of those ways. Leave the five-star review where you can. All of those ways help us grow the show. Again, you can connect with us on social media at Bucket on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, lacrossebucket.com, where it's always lacrosse season.